Welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out. Starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaff. Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a... Be honest, how many of you just completed that line out loud, or to yourself? A Christmas intro so famous, and so iconic, that it rivals almost any other seasonal story, song, or fable. A tradition so nostalgic, it conjures up images of children sitting with their parents, listening intently, in anticipation of Santa Claus's arrival the night before Christmas. But where did such a classic story originate? Who is credited with writing this timeless childhood tale that has captivated households for generations, and what controversy do some historians still debate this many years later? Welcome to a very special holiday episode of The Missing Chapter, where we share and give the history to one of Christmas's most time-honored stories. Welcome, Missing Chapter listeners. Thanks for joining us on this very special Christmas Eve edition. I'm Phil Hornder here with Phil Schaff. We're enjoying an amazing seasonal blend by yours truly, the Utica Coffee Roasting Company. And if you're anything like my family, you will be brewing a lot of coffee this time of year, whether it's your baking uh, cookies with the kids, watching a good Christmas movie, wrapping gifts. It's nice to have that warm cup of coffee and the seasonal blend certainly will do the trick. In fact, before we open any gifts tomorrow morning, I'll start brewing that first pot of coffee right away. So, Phil, you had this idea a while back, and I'm so glad you suggested it to me because the gift we've prepared for our listeners today, it's extra special, and I'm excited to share it. A little surprise episode. Why not for the Christmas season? So just to give a little background, uh, the origin of this episode was it actually started with a text message. It started with an idea. Um, I'm sitting uh, on the couch with my daughters, with my family, and we're, we're watching a Christmas movie. Um, and it just, it, it hit me. Wouldn't it be really cool to, to find some of the, the history behind some of the most popular uh, Christmas tales and Christmas stories? So I, I texted Phil and just said, hey, anything, um, any ideas when it comes to the, the night before Christmas? Maybe we should do a Christmas Eve episode. And in typical Phil Horner fashion, he knew right away, hey, I think there's some local ties. Um, so once we, once we looked it up and did some research on it, we were, we were blown away by how local it actually was. Um, and speaking of local, we do just want to give a, a dedication here because there is an avid listener of ours uh, that we want to dedicate this Christmas Eve episode to, and that that's Grant Hendricks. Uh, Grant, we want to dedicate this episode to you and your family. Uh, we're praying for you. We're thinking of you. Uh, and even though Grant is a Wake Forest fan and we're Notre Dame and Syracuse fans, we want to thank you for listening and, and being a part of our venture. So God bless you, Grant, and the Hendricks family. Now, Phil, as we started to do some more research uh, we really noticed how local these ties actually were. Yeah, Phil, and, and very well said, by the way. Um, yeah, I know our fan base is widespread. Officially, we include 37 states in our in our listening audience, about a dozen different countries um, internationally. But to give you an idea of where Phil and I are from, we teach at a very small uh, school district in upstate New York in the village of Kanajahari. And Kanajahari is actually a Native American name uh, from the Mohawk for the pot that washes itself. We're located in the Mohawk Valley, about 30 minutes away from Cooperstown. So if you're a baseball fan, um, the Baseball Hall of Fame is a short drive away. We're about a 45-minute drive west of the New York State capital city of Albany on the thruway. And if you go across the Hudson River 
to the other sides of the bank uh, of the Hudson River from Albany, you'll be in the city of Troy, New York. And Troy itself has a very rich history. It's known for its uh, colleges, its universities, places like RPI. It's the home of Uncle Sam, one of our nation's most I- iconic symbols, probably a, maybe the topic of a future podcast. But Troy's also of importance when we talk about the story Phil and I are about to highlight for you on this Christmas Eve. And the author of this story uh, is, the, is the heart of the episode. His name is Clement Clark Moore. He's born in New York City. He's, a, he's an only child uh, to Mother Charity Clark and Father Benjamin Moore. So let's let's give the listeners a little background on Benjamin Moore, Phil. Yeah, it's always amazing how when you research one story, you open chapters on others that you never intended or never even knew existed. But it turns out that the elder Moore was actually the Reverend Benjamin Moore, and he was a bishop in the Protestant Episcopal Church in New York and administered the last rites to Alexander Hamilton after he was wounded in his famous duel with Al- with Aaron Burr. Yeah, and that's something we we had no idea. We had no idea that was that was even part of the story. So that's that's just an added bonus. Um, let's talk about Clement Clark more and and just talk about his his background a little bit. He eventually is going to have nine children, and I think this is a big piece of this story here because I, I think one of the reasons why um, he created the story in the first place, a night before Christmas, was probably to amuse his nine children. Anyone who's got children, we, we always, you know, try to entertain our kids as much as possible to try to keep the, the beautiful chaos, as I like to call it, to a minimum. But uh, very religious man, very much like his father, like like uh, Phil said about Benjamin Moore, and so much so that he donated part of his large Chelsea estate, uh, which is now actually called Chelsea Square in New York City. But let's take you back to December 23rd, 1823, when it first appeared in print. Uh, it appeared in print in the Troy Sentinel, a newspaper in, in Troy, New York. He really had no real intention of publishing the night before Christmas, but it actually started with a, a daughter of a minister from Troy who actually stayed with the Moore's family about a year earlier. She heard the poem recited. She fell in love with it, uh, eventually transcribed it, and then passed it to a friend. Now, that friend was actually one of the editors of the newspaper, and that's all it took. The poem began to appear in the Troy Sentinel as well as other newspapers pretty consistently every December, as you can imagine, but it was almost always printed anonymously. And then about 20 years later in 1844, Moore included it in one of his book of poems. And then by then, most newspapers had credited him as the author of the poem. He had many written copies of the poem that he handed out to his family, his friends, as well as the New York Historical Society. But this is actually where the dispute comes into play, Phil. Yeah, and, and if you accept that Moore was the author, which is widely accepted, there's a lot riding on the line here because along with Washington Irving, the legendary writer of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Rip Van Winkle, Moore really helped to create the character of Santa Claus. In Moore's poem, some of the traits associated with Santa today, such as his use of eight reindeer to pull his sleigh, were really being established for the first time. And as the poem gained popularity over several decades in the mid-1800s, Moore's depiction of Santa Claus really became central to how others portrayed the character. And in addition to the accounts of family members and friends, some of the things that Phil just touched on, including the one who passed along the poem to the newspaper, Moore was also able to produce several handwritten manuscripts. They were signed, they were dated, they've been authenticated over the years by historians multiple examples that went along with everyone's claims that he, in fact, was the original author of The Night Before Christmas. There are, however, some who who dispute this claim. 
namely the family of a Henry Livingston. While Livingston died in 1828, his descendants in the 1850s began asserting that Moore was wrongfully taking credit for the poem and that Livingston, in fact, was the original writer. Here's the thing. They have no physical evidence to back up their claims. No documented, documented evidence, such as a manuscript, a newspaper clipping, to support anything of what they're claiming. They simply claimed their father had recited the poem to them as early as 1808. The other circumstantial evidence that Moore did not write the original Night Before Christmas centered on how serious of an individual he was and that the overall jolliness of the poem did not reflect his more stern demeanor. The same critics would point to Moore's writing style, which they say does not coincide either with some of his other published works. But both of these claims are easily refuted by Moore supporters, who simply have to point out, like Phil said, this particular poem was for his children, and that it was meant to entertain, amuse his children. And that's why it's written in a more different fashion and with a lightheartedness that uh, you know a lot of his other more professional work is not. Um, there may not be a definitive answer as to whoever wrote the poem, but the controversies actually captured public imagination as, as short back as 2013, when a mock trial dubbed the trial before Christmas was actually held at the Rensselaer County Courthouse in Troy, New York. Lawyers and scholars presented evidence arguing that either Livingston or Moore had written the poem. And it's interesting to point out, Phil, that it actually ended in a hung jury. That's incredible. And I think it's 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 necessary to mention that the only evidence they have that it wasn't Clement Clark Moore is the fact that it was so atypical of his work. Right. But as you mentioned, it, it had to have been, I mean, his, his, his original intent for this poem was not to continue his typical writing pattern, but was to entertain his kids. And that's a completely different factor. I think any parent would agree there are certain things that you do as a parent that you would never anticipate until you become a parent. Right. And like you said, he, he never even intended or, or foresaw that it would be printed or, or shared with the general public. Exactly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We just want to take a moment here, end this Christmas Eve special episode by, by giving a couple shout outs uh, to my bride, Erica, the biggest Christmas fanatic you have ever met. Uh, Merry Christmas, sweetheart. I love you so much. Thank you for all you do for us as a family. To my daughters, Jojo, Mila, Merry Christmas, girls. Daddy loves you so much. And to my mom and dad, my sisters, Wendy and Karen, the Waters family, the Kobach family, thank you uh, for always being there for me and Merry Christmas. Love you guys. Yeah, I want to give a shout out and a Merry Christmas to my amazing, loving wife, Erin. Thank you so much for all of your unending support and everything that I do. I couldn't do it without you, Erin. To our, our beautiful boys, Andrew and Nathan, who are both big fans of The Missing Chapter. Merry Christmas, fellas. Dada loves you. You guys are the best. To my parents for their support and for being avid listeners. Thank you, guys. Love you. Merry Christmas. And to my sisters, Heather and Wendy, the Rubio and Scarlett families, Merry Christmas, guys. I love you. We also want to give a special thank you, a special shout out to you, the listener. 
for embracing our work and for making The Missing Chapter part of your podcast routine. We look forward to adding many more chapters to the history books in 2021.